excited for tonight's message. We have been in this theme called Set Apart, looking like Jesus while living in the world. And it's been a really fun time just to talk through these passages. A lot of them have been challenging. And from what I've heard, you guys' conversations have been really honest and open, which is exactly what we want to happen when we approach the Bible. We say all the time, hey, read the Bible and pray. That's what you need to do. But if, if everybody in this room was to actually do that, we would have so many questions because there's so many confusing things in the Bible, and it is so good to work through it together. And tonight's passage is no different. And I know just reading through this scripture tonight may make some of you feel very uncomfortable, and that's that's okay. I, I think that the Bible does that. You know, God, God, um, His Word, He knows exactly what we need when we need it. And so when I was a kid, I led a very sheltered life. How many of you lived a sheltered life as a kid like me? Nobody else. Um, but I, I was an only child, and I literally lived at church just as much as I, I lived at home. It, we went like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then my parents were always having people over from church all the time. It was just, it was just like our life. And so this meant that I, I was not taught all the bad words at a, at a very young age. Uh, that's how sheltered I was. So one day, I was playing basketball with some kids when I was like 10 or 9 or 10, and I heard a word that they used one day, Mr. Shock. I thought, oh, I'm just going to start using that word, too. I mean, it sounds like what a, what a beaver constructs, you know? So maybe I'll just say it over and over. So every shot that I missed, it came out. And I miss a lot of shots if you play basketball with me very long. And I'm just, I'm just cursing up the storm back and forth, back and forth the whole time, like two hours. And then it was a Wednesday, and I said, hey, i got to go to church. And the one of the guys goes, what? I'm going to church? With that mouth? And uh, they were all very surprised. And I think, so I, I didn't know what the bad words were. I do now, I hope. Um, I don't use them like that anymore. But what we know will always determine which way we will go. And that's kind of our big idea for tonight. And it really allows us to have this, this thing where we decide how we're going to live our lives. We collect as much information as possible. Some of you are collecting a lot of information right now for your, your exams, and, you're, and it's driving you absolutely crazy. You're ready to unload some of these classes. Amen. Somebody. Okay? And you're collecting all this information, and then you have a decision to make with all the information that you collect. And when we get into the Bible, and when God reveals things to us, we have a decision to make of what we're going to do with the information that God has given us in Jesus. And so... We all believe this to be true, whether we're committed Christians or not. And one example that I thought of was if you have romantic interest in someone else and you come to the knowledge that they also have interest in you, uh, the likelihood of you going up, and some of you are actually pretty, you know, not, maybe not as brave as others, but you would probably, with that knowledge, it would change how you thought and how much confidence you had to approach the other person person, correct? I hope it would. Because you, you, you have this like feeling of how you're feeling about them, but when you know it's reciprocated, you would definitely, hopefully, proceed to ask them out. Maybe that's to give some of you some courage tonight uh, in the name of Jesus. But what we, what we know will always determine which way we will go. In our passage tonight, Paul is going to ask this question six times. Anytime in the Bible, 
When you see something repeated over and over and over again, uh, in the original language, there was no punctuation. So he's saying something over and over and over again to get our attention. So uh, tonight he says, do you not know six times in these 20 verses? And this leads me to believe that we, uh, these are things that we should take note of and actually know about. So Bobby's going to read the first half of our scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. When one of you has a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter between, instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you're going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go to the outside judges who are not respected by the church? Oh. I'm saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer sues another right in front of all believers. Seven. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? He said, you yourselves are the ones who do you wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols, or commit adultery, <clears throat> or male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God, by calling on the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Thank you so much. So, the first section we're going to look at is that we need to know that we are capable. You need to know that you are capable. Disputes are going to happen. Some of you absolutely hate conflict. You hate when people get mad. You hate when you see someone shouting at someone else. It makes you want to die on the inside. Some of you like charge up. Okay, all right. Conflict time. And the disputes are going to happen, and it's what we do in the midst of them that is so crucial within the church. These Christians in Corinth were taking each other to court and treating each other poorly. Okay? They were unwilling to suffer wrong, and they were doing wrong themselves. It was like a double whammy. Like, they were unable, unwilling to suffer wrong, and then they were doing wrong to each other as well. And so... The first, this first second section has the three, first three, do you not know questions. First, do you not know that saints will judge the world? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? Those are the first two. And a lot of this focus is going to be made in this chapter about Paul's writings about the future. And it's interesting because that's something that we, as college students, you just struggle with, the future. Amen? <laughs> Like, who am I going to marry? What's my degree program supposed to be? Am I in the right? What's going on? I'm 
don't know anything about my future. And it's just so frustrating. It, it just just drives us crazy. And everything we do now should reflect what we believe about what we know to be true about the future. And I, I can't say that enough about Christians, but this is the kind of authority that we will one day be given in heaven over the world, over the angels. Since this is our future, why are we struggling with making so many decisions today? If that's our ultimate future, then we are going to be judging the world, and we're going to be judging angels, yet we can't decide what degree program to choose. You know, I think a lot of times we get so confused, get so in our heads about all these details, and God's like, actually, you can major in calligraphy if you want. I just want your heart. I just want you to follow me. I just want you to obey me. I just want you to know how much I really love you. I just want you to know that the new heavens and the new earth are coming. And the third one, is, do you not know, question is, do, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And Paul lays out ten forms of simple practice lifestyles that we could, we could spend the rest of our time going down through that list and talking about each individual one. We don't have time. If you want to have a 17-hour cup of coffee with me or Alex, maybe we can just trade halfway through. But there's lots of things that we can go back and forth on that list. But these are lifestyles that are not conducive to a righteous lifestyle and one who is a part of the kingdom of God. And what he is saying is that he's saying that they used to be these unrighteous people. They used to be just like these judges that they were going to with disputes for one another. And so you can see like the insanity I'm going to go to an unrighteous judge to decide my case on a trivial matter because I can't do what's right and go and confront my brother or try to work through this conflict together or just get real awkward and just not even talk about it. And we, we just were so bad about doing this. And so he tells them, he's like, that is such were some of you. I love that, that line. Such were some of you, but you were three things. You were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified. This word for washed, it only appears two times in the New Testament. And the only other instance is in Acts 22, 16. Uh, and now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized, calling on his name, washing away your sins. And that is the, just a beautiful picture of what Jesus can do. You were washed. You were sanctified. This is the, the really the set-apart word for our study. It is the word for holy, to be set apart. You were justified. You have been declared. This word just means to be declared not guilty. Declared not guilty. So you need to know that you are capable in here tonight of settling disputes. You don't have to just gossip about somebody and how bad they are or how much you're struggling with them and how uh, you can't believe they did that. You can go up to that person with another believer and you can sit down and have an honest conversation and move past the dispute. And you can actually love each other through the conflict. I've seen it thousands of times in the local church done the right way. And unfortunately, we have probably ten times that amount where it's gone really badly. And people just get mad and they leave. They get mad and they leave. I'll go to another church. There's going to be people who don't make me mad. But what do you know? You're 
going to go to crew, you're going to go to campus outreach, you're going to go to these other ministries and other churches, and there's going to be somebody there that makes you mad. There's going to be somebody that makes you just furious and can't believe that they did that to you and can't believe that they said that. This is the world that we live in. This is not heaven. Amen? Such were some of you that you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. You may walk away from a situation in dispute with less. And Bomi's got a great example of this later. You may walk away with less, but you will actually be obtaining more entrance into God's kingdom. At the end of the day, when you die, when I die, when this whole world is renovated by fire, that will be the only thing that matters, is that you had entrance into God's kingdom. What we know will always determine which way we will go. Daniel's going to share his story tonight. Hello, everybody. Um, so, before I actually um, share my story, I would like to um, say what Andrew said last live group. So, he asked about what was the best advice you've ever been given. And I said, the truth is very bitter, but the truth is very important. And um, that is something that majority of us don't want to understand because they don't want to listen, or we don't want to listen. And I'm, I'm part of those people, actually. <laughs> so, my story, um, I'm going to talk about last semester when I was in mock trial. Um, I had a competition for today's competition. It was Saturday and Sunday. Um, on Saturday, um, I went to the competition in the court, and it went really well. But on that day was also my dad's birthday. So I didn't, I didn't know if I should go to my dad's birthday or if I should stay with my team and just go the next day. But I decided to go home and um, celebrate my dad's birthday with him because we were having a party. So um, it turned out well, actually. But after the party, we had an after party, which was for like, like the guys, like the teenagers in general. So <clears throat> I went home and um, there was a lot of bad, bad things going on back then, like bad decisions. And that was like a decision I had to make. But at the same time, um, I saw a lot of people doing other things. So I kind of fell into the temptation of drinking. And I drank. And when I said I drank, I drank a lot to the point. <laughs> To the point whereby I didn't remember what happened um, the last night, which means I was drunk, like blacked out, like I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't I wasn't in control of my body, so I really had regrets because I knew the next day, which was Sunday, which was supposed to be holy, um, I was supposed to go to court and do my thing. We did get second place, but like. Um, I didn't compete because I was late to the competition because I was still hungover. And um, also, I missed the time whereby I was going to compete. Um, so I was sent home. Well, I went back to my dorm and I actually thought about what I did. It was very sad to me because 
but we learn from our mistakes. So um, I would like to read the passage um, from Corinthians, First Corinthians six, from nine to eleven, and it says, "Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sins or worship is worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheap people. None of this will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were claimed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. <clears throat> well, I was like that, um, the drunker part, because, you know, bad decisions. But I learned my lesson and I knew it was right. I set my faith. I'm straight with God. And I believe that I'm still going to go to the fact that I am right now. I'm also um, with Andrew and Boom leading a um, live group on Wednesdays. <clears throat> so, um, back to my story. I beat myself up every day about, about it because I thought that no one in my team will actually want to be part of one be with me like, as a team. Um, I did leave my role as a witness in mock trial for that same reason. But at the end of the day, God is in control of what you do. And I didn't even know about this, but just today I found out that I actually won an award in mock trial for the year, which was this certificate, and it was the most dedicated award. Um, so yeah, that's it. <laughs> Verses 12 through 20. Well, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do God will do we do away with both of them. But you can't say that our body will be made for sexual immoral immorality. We were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our body, and God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our love from the dead. Don't you realize that your body are actually part of Christ? So the man take his body, which is part of Christ, and John Joining to a prostitute, never. Don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture says, the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. 
For God bought you with, with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. All right. So this is really neat. And so I encourage you guys, one thing that will be really helpful after the tonight and then for the rest of your life is to check out the chapters before and after each scripture. Because chapter 5 is so important because it's about a guy that slept with his stepmom, which is frowned upon. And, uh, <laughs> and in chapter 7, Paul gives like a ton of information about uh, whether you should be single, whether you should be married, what happens if you can't control yourself. And, and he goes into this whole thing. It's so helpful. So I encourage you to do that. We don't have time tonight. But this word for body is so interesting. Uh, it comes up again and again in this second part of the passage. So know why you have a body. And I love this quote uh, because Paul uses this word, and if you read uh, King James or New American Standard, some translations will say sinful nature, but it's actually the word flesh. And sarx is the, is the Greek word. While sarx stands for man, that sinful nature, in solidarity of creation, in his distance from God, soma, which is the word for body here, soma, stands for man in the solidarity of creation as made for God. Wow. So this word sexual morality in the King James Version of the Bible is fornication. It is, uh, the Greek word is porneia, and it is a broad term that speaks to any sexual activity outside the covenant of biblical marriage. Our bodies were not made for that. Though our bodies were made to have sex and enjoy it, they were made with worshiping God in mind. So I think this scripture is just so important uh, for us to take in. And so we get to the second two of our, did, did, do you not know? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Do you not know he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? As Christians, our bodies, they come together and collectively become the body, members of Christ. And Paul will flesh this out more in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians as well. You can check that out later. If you were to take your body and have sex with a prostitute, you have willfully distanced yourself from Jesus. You have ruined your witness. And so your body is going to be like this powerful witness no matter which way you turn, whether you decide to do things God's way and, and submit to his word and believe in your heart that his word is the best way possible to live this life. You can do that, or you can just do whatever you want. The judges, you know, says that they did what was right in their own eyes. So we can do that if we wanted to. Um, but we need to know that when you are, uh, what you are doing when you make sexual choices outside of God's plan um, for fulfillment in this life. So the, the sixth uh, do you not know is do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? And I'm just going to, this is funny, because Alex and I disagree about this part. So the, this life group material is going to say something, which he wrote the life group material, and I'm going to say something else. So you can make your decision on who is correct. Maybe both of us are wrong, I don't know. But this, this one. I, I think we're both right, but he, he doesn't agree. Um, but the, your body is a temple of, did you not, not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? This word for body, soma, is singular here. And in 3.16, going back in 1 Corinthians, the you, he uses this plural. So 
if you are a Christian, your body is a housing for the Holy Spirit. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Or, as Alex points out, the life material, it can picture the, the body of Christ, the collective uh, group of believers in Corinth, being the temple of the Holy Spirit. I think either one is correct, actually, but uh, you can take that up with uh, him later. The presence of God in you, not just an occasional visitor, not just popping by and announce, the Holy Spirit, if we're a Christian, is consistently within us. So that means a whole lot of things that Jesus explains in John 14, chapters 14 through 16. We can't go into that today, but why does your body exist? Know that God put it, your body here on earth to worship him, period. That's the main thing is why your body is here. Not only that, your body is in prep mode for the eventual resurrection of the dead. When Jesus returns, he stops time and... The angel is, the sky splits open, you know, everything's going to happen. Dead in Christ, we're going to come out of the ground resurrected. Our bodies are being prepped for that very moment. And if you're doing anything that is not prepping your body for that moment, you might want to reconsider what you're doing. Because what we know will always determine which way we will go. And Bomi's going to share your story. All right. Um, <clears throat> so, um, Andrew mentioned the person that likes to avoid conflict and runs away from that. I think they're talking to me. Um, so last year, um, a friend uh, crashed my car and literally totaled the car um, and did not own up to the responsibility for it. Um, so at first, it, I thought someone was attacking me. That's how bad it was. Um, so I had to leave campus, go home. It was like an old big issue. Um, my family got involved, pastor got involved, just trying to find out exactly what happened. Um, and eventually we found out that, oh, it was this person that crashed the car. Um, and having to go through that alone without the person that actually did it, not taking responsibility for it, um, gives a lot of unforgiveness and anger in me, um, and, um, you know, I tried to talk to the person, you know, hey, I just want to know if you did it, can you just say it, um, and, you know, I didn't get that, but in the state of Indiana, you get about two years to file, um, to sue, um, to file a request if you want to do something like that, so after the one year, which was in February, as it was approaching, my mind was like, maybe it's time to just, um, take into court and just file a report against him. I mean, now he has to confess that he did it. And um, I was kind of just deciding, okay, well, do I just do that and, you know, just avoid actually confronting him again and just take that route. Um, and this is someone that I had a good relationship with. Um, and I would say we're both Christians, so it would literally be someone else deciding who is wrong and who did what. Um, and eventually, I just gathered the courage and went to talk to him again, like, hey, you know, it's been a year. I'm pretty sure, you know, you can know if you did it or not. Just, I needed to share that for me to be able to move on. Um, and I felt like if I, if I heard that, maybe I wouldn't want to do what, what I intended of doing. Um, so I ended up talking to him and 
he didn't confess that yes, I did this. Um, and it was a relief that oh, okay, I know he finally did it, but I really, my body really, really, really wanted to just you know, let's just let me just sue this person and let me see what happens. I really wanted revenge for what had happened, but I I had been praying about it and like. God, I, I need to know what I need to do. And it was like, if you go this route, you're creating, you're creating a situation where people are gonna look at you and say, okay, she's a Christian, is a Christian, then why is this happening? Why it would create us some sort of a negative impression. Um, and it was just trying to teach me, just go the other route, even though you're not exactly getting what you want, but that's still, you're getting what you want because I felt a lot of peace instead of carrying that anger for over a year. Um, so just to kind of let you know that you're capable. Like a lot of times you have the answers in your hands and you know what to do, but we're just scared to do it because I don't know. We're just we're just scared to take actions and just to tell us that there's something at the end of that although and whatever that obstacle is, um, you should definitely take action and this is the work of the tennis. We were actually preparing for the study and Bomi was like, this is amazing. I didn't know this was in this chapter. And it was like, um, she had lived out the chapter without not knowing that the chapter existed. Tell me that's not the Holy Spirit. So as you come to application, first thing is just to know that you are capable and, and you are not in need of advice from this world. We have all the advice, all the counsel, all the things that we need are in the Bible and the Holy Spirit is inside of you. There is someone in CSF, there is also someone in your local church who would love to pray with you and help settle your soul, maybe settle your conflict, but we need to know that conflict is coming. You can't avoid it forever. You may be trying, and you may be shoving it down. You may be getting upset about things. You're like, well, if I just I ignore it, eventually it will go away. It will not. It does not happen that way. It will just sit down there and wait for the proper moment to just, just explode out of you. I speak from experience. So you won't like it. Um, but don't run from your Christian family. Dig in and get through this together. We're just bad about running when things get difficult. we got to stop that. I guess one thing my parents' generation was so good about with, like, uh, conflict in the church. Um, my mother said many times, we're staying. We're going to work through this. I'm like, I wouldn't. But I, I just think that that mentality is something that we got to get back. we got to get that back. Um, the second thing is to know that the purpose of our body. Our body was not meant to have sex with a prostitute. I've never said sex with a prostitute so many times in the sermon. Um, but your body was made for the Lord. Your body was made to have sex with your husband or wife. Anything else is, is sexual morality. This is also something we're bad at. We desperately want to make ourselves and those we date happy. So I will do anything, anything, to make myself or the other person happy, period. 
regardless of what God is telling you is the right thing to do. And so I just got to take that to heart. Right? This isn't Andrew talking. This is straight from the Bible. That's what we want to do. And, and I just hope we can be a conduit tonight to think about this is also something we're bad at. And I, I think um, we will do anything to make it happen. And, and this just isn't how God created our bodies to work. We were made to worship Jesus. We weren't made to worship ourselves. We weren't made to worship other people's opinions about ourselves. We were made to worship Jesus. So what would happen if we took all these six things, all these six questions? Do, do, do you not know that you will judge the world? Do you not know that you will judge angels? Do you not know that the unrighteous, like the unrighteous judges, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Do you not know when you have sex with prostitutes, it's a oneness move? Do you not know that your, your body is a Holy Spirit house? And I, I think that these are just basic things that Paul was really frustrated with the church in Corinth. I think he was probably equally frustrated with, with us. Uh, and I'm, I'll put myself in there. Um, and I loved our time with Frank Turek on Thursday. We did else like that time. And we may not have agreed with everything he said. That's fine. You can disagree. Um, but that was Thursday night. He's an apologist on campus. We had over 500 that attended. And he, was, he talked for three hours. I told my wife, I'll be home at 9.30. No, I was not. Because it was a two-hour presentation and like an hour of Q&A. And even after all that information, even after all that truth, all of the stuff that he shared, I'm still coming to the end of it going like, that wasn't quite it. You know, you ever felt that way with knowledge? You probably, you're, you're definitely there in your classes. That's not all it, you know. And I get so proud. I hate study Bibles for that reason. They give me a little bitty thing at the bottom of the page, and then I'm like, well, that just created 10 more questions. Um, but I, I always finish, think, uh, finish something like that wishing it would have gone further. And I think this is just because my understanding is limited. There is only so much my, my little mind can comprehend. And this is why we need God to inform us of what really is going on in us and around us. That's who we need to inform us about what's really happening in us and around us. What our bodies are meant to do. What we're capable of, capable of doing in the midst of conflict. Because what we know will always determine which way we will go. But worship team has one more song. Come on up. And to end this time, let's stand up. And so it just hit me when at the end of our prep time, I didn't even tell them this when we were prepping, but, uh, and I'll just I'll put this up here so you guys can read it. I was thinking about an Old Testament passage that the Apostle Paul, as a Jewish man, he would have read probably thousands of times. And it is perfect for the passage tonight, so Bomi and Daniel are going to read it, and then we'll have our, our last song. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. It gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might increases power. Though youths grow very tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly 
Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount, mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. 